Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, for those who don't know, my name's Neil and Pastor here. So I'd love to meet you at the end. If you have, if this is your first time, please feel free to come up and say good day. It'd be really good. Um, and you might notice on your seats this morning there's some notes. They're going to be for our message this morning. If you don't have any, because they're sort of being spaced apart, just um, get some off someone else, because I didn't know exactly where each person was going to sit. <laughs> so maybe next week, if you could just reserve a seat, that'd be great, um, and we'll put it at the right seat. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, grace and mercy. Lord, what an amazing God you are. Lord, we thank you already for the word this morning, Lord, the praise and worship, Lord, that you're changing our hearts. We just pray today that you would just give us wisdom through what you have to say to us, Father God, with our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so starting this week, first um, week on our well, new relationship series, there's lots of different ones within it, um, but really what we want to look at, it's called People Who Drive Me Nuts, basically, or just people who drive you crazy, and that's what this series is about. So we're going to do six weeks, maybe a little bit more. Um, we'll see how we go. And just talking about different aspects of relationship, how you can actually deal with the people that drive you nuts. Um, maybe there's no hope, I don't know, but we'll, we'll try to get through it. But there's just some people that, yeah, you know, they just get on your nerves a bit or even more than a bit. And we need tools to be able to deal with those things in life, don't we? And the truth is we all do foolish things, right? No one has done anything foolish in their life. <laughs> I've done a lot of stupid things, seriously. And what I've found is that because of God's word, it can sharpen me, okay? I can take a mistake and it can be turned around and God can work in my life and turn things around for good. And so what we're going to do is really look at trying to grab some wisdom on relationships over these weeks. Now, it won't get rid of your problems. You've got to understand that. Wisdom doesn't get rid of your problems, but it will certainly minimise them in your life. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So we want to know how we can respond wisely to situations um, and so we can dramatically, know that word, dramatically, reduce the problems in our life. Okay, so it's about not being foolish, and if you really think about it, there's no place in our life that, that, than relationships, no place that we are more foolish than relationships, right? Because it's personal. We treat people in ways that are really counterproductive. In other words, we will act in certain ways that won't enhance relationships. I don't know if you've ever done that, but some of the things you do are designed to purposely pro provoke bad behaviour out of another person. Um, and it's really behaviour that we don't want. And we sort of have this way of thinking, you know, what, how am I going to get something out of this? You know, what, what's in this for me? Um, and this is how I'm going to act to get what I want out of this relationship. Now, if you want more fulfilment, intimacy and joy in your relationships, it's really important that we create relationships that are fulfilling and not draining. And a lot of this is a choice that we make. Okay, it's a choice that we make whether or not we're going to be putting into this relationship or whether we're in this relationship for us. So if you think about things like, why are you getting married? Oh, because she's wonderful and she meets all my needs. She's just everything I want. Welcome to failure. You're just not going to have everything met. Same, oh, he's just amazing. He's so handsome and I just love him so much. So why are you getting married? Oh, I just love him. Why are you getting married? 
I just love him. <laughs> really? What do you love about him? We're going to talk about a few things like that as we go along in the week, in the weeks ahead. Because our relationships have to be based on more than just a feeling. I love a lot of people, but I don't marry them all, okay? There's a good reason. And, and one of the reasons we get married is to bring glory to God. That is one of the main reasons to bring up our kids in the ways of God and promote God in this world to bring him glory. So if we just go to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. This is going to be our key verse for today on relationships. And really what we're looking at here is wisdom. How can I get godly wisdom? Because I don't know if you noticed it, that just because you're smart doesn't mean you're wise. You can have a lot of degrees but not be really all that wise at all. You can act in ways that are just foolish. And so what we're looking at today is what's God's wisdom? What is actually the wisdom from above? Because there's a big difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom. The only way you're going to get truly wise is through God's word and his spirit revealing it to you, okay? Because there's a big difference between God's wisdom and man's wisdom, how we act in a godly way and how we act in a human way. Just as there's a big difference um, in everything in our life in those areas, if we are relying on God, that's when the truth will actually come and set us free. For example, godly sorrow brings repentance. What's godly sorrow? It's something that we understand. We've sinned against God. And as Isaac was talking about that today, something inside your heart might have just triggered and you thought, wow, God's calling me. And what happens is when God starts to bring a sorrow to your life, it brings repentance. Now, human sorrow doesn't bring that. Human sorrow is like this. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that I look bad in front of people because of what I've done and things like that. It actually doesn't bring repentance or good fruit in your life. So we want to focus on God's wisdom in relationships. What does God actually say? And then we're going to be challenged to actually do it. Because guess what? If we don't do it, just wasted a Sunday morning. You really did. You come here so you can hear something from God so that you can actually apply it to your life. If you don't apply it, what a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time. It's nice to be encouraged and strengthened, but the real strength actually comes in the doing of the Word of God. And that's what I want to challenge you with as we look at this relationship series again that if we don't do it, nothing is going to change. It's just going to stay the same as it was yesterday and the day before. And you can have one person that wants to work in a relationship, it won't work very well. You can have none and it just won't work at all. But you can have two that make this commitment together, especially as couples, friends and family, that you make a commitment that we're going to work at this. And what it takes is humility. You starting to say, hey, I need a change. I need a change. And a wise person will change because it brings change. Okay, so James chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verse 13 to 18. If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, 
There you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritisms, favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So if you've got any chaos in your life, I want to ask you this question. If you've got disharmony, I want to ask you this question. It says this, wherever you find jealousy and selfish ambition, you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. If things are disordered in your life, it is highly likely that in your life somewhere there is some selfishness, there is an ego involved, that it's all about you. And God's saying, I want you to turn this around and I want you to listen to my wisdom because the earth's wisdom is this, get what you can to make you happy. Get what you can to make you happy. But God's wisdom is very different. It's all about others. It's all about serving God. It's all about promoting God's wisdom. So they teach a lot about relationships that you're not going to learn anywhere else, these verses. And it's a way of relating wisdom. It's how we relate to those around us. We can be wise or we can be foolish. And I said before, you can have intelligent you can have degrees coming out of your head. You can have an education that's amazing. But you can be a fool in relationships. You don't want to be like that. You want to be a person who is not a fool in relationships. So you can be really, really smart, but you can be really, really dumb at the same time. You're not wise. It's, and wisdom has got to do with relationships. It's how you treat other people. It's the words you say. It's about your life, not just your lips. It's about what you do, not just what you say. It's about a heart change. And what you want to do is be wise. So if you look at verse 14 to 16, that's pretty much typically the way we relate to people in this world, isn't it? When we get bitter, angry and resentful, when we get jealous, when we get selfish and ambitious in relationships... That's not of God. In fact, it says in those verses there that it's actually demonic. That's a pretty heavy word, isn't it? That type of behaviour in your relationships is demonic. It's something that doesn't come from heaven. It comes from hell. Wow. That suddenly puts a whole new perspective on things, doesn't it? It makes you start to think, the way I'm acting, I'm actually acting like the devil's child if I'm acting these ways. That's pretty heavy, I understand that. But that's what it actually says. It's demonic. The things that of this world that are like that in relationships are demonic. But verse 18 says this, those who are peacemakers plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. So every day in your relationships, you are planting seeds. Every single day. But what are you planting? Are you planting seeds of anger or peace? Love and harmony or disruption? Are you planting seeds of trust or are you planting seeds of distrust? You've got to remember that the Bible says you will reap what you sow. And what it's talking to us is that if we want to sow good things into relationships, we will get good things from relationships. We can't just sit down and and hope that everything goes all right. 
But we have to actually start to sow the seeds and be proactive about our relationships, whether it's with your boss, your girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it is. And so what we're going to do today is look at six things that wise people never do in relationships, okay? So we're looking at basically verse 17. There's a bit of a checklist here, okay? And so what we're going to do is build a foundation of healthy relationships so we can take this into the next few weeks as we start to look at the people that drive you nuts. So number one, wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. All right? So it's pure. What's that mean? It's uncorrupted. It's clean, unpolluted. It's untainted. In other words, there's no... No evil desire in it. It's like the wisdom that you have is pure. It's not out to get. It's not out to prove yourself. It's not out for your own desires, but it's pure. There's no nothing hidden. There's nothing hidden in it. And what that's really talking about is integrity in your relationships, okay? The foundation of all good relationships is having that integrity, that honesty of heart. Why is it listed first? Because wisdom doesn't start in your head. It starts in your heart. All relationships are built on trust, aren't they? If you don't trust someone, how can you have a relationship with them? If you don't have truth in relationship, you won't have trust. And if you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship. So if there's a guy or a bloke lying to his wife all the time, he might have an erect arrangement with his wife but he certainly does not have a relationship with her there's an arrangement made but there's no relationship because truth is the foundation of trust and if you're lying to people in your life you're not having a relationship with them it's fake it's false it's phony and it's not real there's a guy named leonard leonard keeler i don't know if you've ever heard of him but this guy was amazing he invented the lie detector And in his lifetime, he tested over 25,000 people on the lie detector. That's quite a few. Guess what his conclusion was at the end? We all lie. (laughs) Wow. Did he really have to do all that study to work that out? We are quite fundamentally dishonest, aren't we? In fact, I can tell you this, ladies. This will shock you and horrify you because you think you're so wonderful, but... You lie on average three times a day, on average. That is shocking. Now, blokes, guess how many times a day we lie on average? Six. (laughs) But we have to lie. Our wives make us. It's their fault. (laughs) We have to tell them stuff that's not... No, we don't. That's not true. We have to say the fish was this big when it was only that big. Not at all. But the truth is we lie. We do lie. We don't just lie to people. We lie to God and we certainly lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? Like if we think about it, we lie to ourselves all the time. Um, And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful among all things. So we, we, for some reason, let ourselves be deceived by ourselves. Oh, it's not so bad. It doesn't really matter. Everybody else is doing it. 
We can deceive ourselves or we can say, oh no, I'm doing good because we start to compare to someone else. We'll say, no, it's all right because I'm doing better than them. Or maybe we'll feel guilty because they're not as doing good as someone else and say, oh yeah, but they're goody two-shoes. We somehow justify how we are by lying to ourselves. We convince ourselves that things are true. We lie to ourselves all the time. In Ephesians 4.25, it urges us, you must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth because we all belong to each other in the same body. Okay, there's a, there's a real desire from God's spirit that we don't lie to each other. That doesn't mean we tell everybody everything. We'll look at that a little bit later because, you know, you just don't want to blurt everything out, do you? That's not discreet. That's not wise either. So number one is this. If you're writing, there's a little space under that first point. If I want to be wise in my relationship, I won't compromise my integrity. I'm not going to compromise my conscience, my conviction, and I'm not going to live a double life. I won't lie to you. I'll tell you the truth because trust is built on truth. No trust, no relationship. Proverbs 2.7 says, God grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield protecting those who walk with integrity. And I can tell you right now, you need a shield in your life. You need something that is going to protect you about people who drive you nuts. They're going to try to mess up your life all the time. But God says, I will be a shield to those who walk with integrity. If you want a shield in your life, walk with integrity. Develop convictions, that deep, heartfelt belief that will not change under any circumstance and live by that. So first of all, wisdom is pure. To be wise in my relationship, I will not compromise my integrity. Number two, wisdom is peace-loving. So, are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? Are you carrying a chip on your shoulder? Are you somebody who's always looking for a fight? You love to have a good scrap? If you do, the Bible says you are not wise. And there are people like that, isn't there? I mean, just think about the internet. That's a place where that's displayed in all its glory. You can look up a blog and, and there's foolish people all over there. They just love a fight. They just want to enter in. They want to give their opinion. They love to just have a go at everyone. They just want to fight. And I can tell you, like, just reading anything, whenever I've read something, it starts off with a little bit of okay. After about five times, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's just people trying to push their point of view, um, having foolish arguments that just waste time. I mean, do you even really care what they think? Why do you fight with them? Why do you have to put your point across? Who are they? You don't even know them. Why bother wasting your time? So the second thing, if you want to be wise in your relationship, I will not antagonise your anger. I'm peace-loving. I'm not going to try and stir you up to anger. Now, can I tell you truthfully, if I've been around my sisters or my family or even my friends for a little bit of time, I know how to push a button. It's a gift. (laughs) And one thing that God really dealt with me, probably when I was around about my 20s, he said, don't do it. You got a gift, you can do it really well. <laughs> but that gift is not of me. It's, it's just not of me. 
And so I could push people's buttons and still every now and then I get to that point. To be honest, there's times when I can just change things <laughs> and get people angry and I do it purposely and I'll stir it up and I'll sit back and watch the chaos. <laughs> it's like a weapon of mass destruction. I know what button to push and it's not the right button. But when I do, it works. <laughs> I've got to say, it works every time. But you know what the Bible calls that? Stupid. That is just dumb. You're not getting any close to a resolution in an argument if you do that. You're not helping it. In fact, you are being destructive and you are hurting it. So if if I'm wise, I'm not going to antagonise your anger. Now, each of you would know that. Proverbs 23 says, Any fool can start an argument. If you can start an argument, you are a fool. Congratulations. Anybody can do that. You're not even special. But the wise thing is to stay out of them. So don't worry about internet trolls. Don't be baited. Or even by stupid arguments that will happen at work or or other places where you can just see they're not even productive. The wise thing is to stay out of them. Don't get baited. Don't take that hook. And so we're going to look at a few things and laugh at ourselves over this series for sure because you know what? Sometimes when we look at our life, it is laughable. <laughs> you know, we're like, yeah, what did I do that for? But we want to look at them in the weeks ahead. So how are you going to antagonise people's anger? I'm going to give you a few things. Now, the, the point of this is not so that you can use these things to antagonise people. The point is so that you can just make a bit of a judgement in your own life, whether you're doing them. Number one, compare them. Now, who's ever said you're just like your mother <laughs> in an argument? It's really helpful, isn't it? (laughs) It just brings peace straight away. You know, we've got that covered. Or you're just like your father. Or maybe you're like your mother and your father. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 10.12 says that if we, anybody who compares is a fool, all right? It's foolish, it's not wise. Don't compare your wife, your husband, your kids, your boss to anybody else. Because everybody is unique and comparing people antagonises anger. And especially if you're starting to use yourself as a standard of amazingness, it really doesn't work. Number two, so we've got first comparing, number two condemning. This always antagonises anger. Don't do it. You know those times when you're saying, grab the bags, there's a guilt trip coming? Try not to do it. Try, try to stop making people feel guilty about everything they've done. You should be ashamed all the time. You're going to get the opposite reaction of what you need. It doesn't work and it's foolish, okay? We're all battling those things in life, aren't we? And don't try to be somebody else's conscience. In other words, you're not the Holy Spirit for that person. You really aren't. You've got to let them discover the things of God for themselves and let them grow themselves in in things of God, but also in the things of the world. Yes, there's times when you have to speak the truth. We've already talked about that. But you're not their conscience, so every day you're making sure that 12 times a day they know exactly where they've gone wrong and what they should have done. You are not the conscience of someone else. This is probably most apparent in families with your kids, with your husband and your wife, where it feels like you are the one who has to make sure everyone is doing exactly the right thing, exactly the right time, 
exactly the right way because you don't hang clothes out like that. You hang them out like this or, you know, you don't wash things like that. You wash it like this. There's all these things that we make big things that are really little things. So don't try to be the conscience. You should, you must, you ought, you need to, you always, you never. It doesn't really help. And most of the time it's not true. Okay, number three, contradicting always makes people mad. Now, I don't know if you've ever met these people. It tends to be the elder people. Uh, No offence, guys. I'm still young. (laughs) That's what I reckon anyway. No, but, you know, you're sitting there and someone's telling a story and husband or wife chimes in, no, it didn't happen like that. (laughs) You know, no, we didn't have spaghetti. We had chicken and leek that night. No, no, it was a Tuesday, not a Wednesday. Uh, No, it was 10 miles, not nine miles. All the time they're correcting everything. It's really, really irritating, isn't it? And it's irritating when someone does it to you all the time. Don't sweat the small stuff. If it's not really relevant to the whole point of the story, who really cares? Who really cares? There's a guy named William James, he's a psychologist, who says this, wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. Sometimes you've just got to overlook things and just don't worry about it. Really, is it that important? And guess what? You're probably both wrong when it comes to things of memory. No, no one is perfect. No one is perfect. Proverbs 14.29 says this, A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. Okay? So when we're looking at things about peace-loving and anger, if you start to stir people up to anger, what response are you expecting? Are you expecting a rational response? Are you expecting them to give you a wise answer? I don't think so. Because I know when I'm an angry person, sometimes, which happens very rarely, but does happen, but I've noticed when other people get angry, they say things that they don't actually really mean. I don't know if you've ever done that. You just get angry and you blurt it out. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah. And the other person's going, whoa, I didn't know you felt that way. And actually you don't. You really don't. And so we don't want to make people or provoke people to a place where they're saying things they don't mean. And we don't want to be in that place of anger when we're, we're in a relationship. Sometimes you need to just go away, cool down, get your thoughts together, shut your mouth. Come back when you've thought it through, when things have cooled down. So the wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. So that's our second one. If I'm wise, I don't compromise my integrity. Number two, I don't antagonise your anger. Number three, the third thing the Bible says is that wisdom is gentle all the time. What does that really mean? It means I'm considerate. It's I'm courteous. Those words are a little bit out of fashion, I guess, when you think about the world around us. Philippians 4.5 says that everyone see that you are considerate in most of the things you do. No, it doesn't say that. It says in all the things you do. Now, what does all mean? It means all. Even in the Greek, it means all. You have to be considerate even when people are inconsiderate to you. 
Yes, you do. Do I have to be considerate to the the person on the checkout who's a clown? Yes, you do. Do I have to be considerate to the person who's pushing in front of me in line? Yes, you do. If I'm smart, if I'm wise, and if I'm not foolish, I need to always be considerate. I'm just not allowed to call your names. When I'm in a fight, I'm not allowed to just call you some name that's out of the blue. I've got to be considerate. I'm not allowed to be rude to you. I'm not allowed to slur you back just because you said something mean doesn't give me the right to say something mean back. I'm not allowed to get even because that actually makes me the same level as you. And we don't want to do that. Why is this so important? Because it is an antidote to the two most common mistakes, foolish mistakes that we make in relationships. Number one, the first mistake we make is we react. But we react to what people say and ignore how they feel. All right? That's not good. Sometimes we just pay too much attention to their words and not enough to their feelings. I don't know if you've ever played the game um, when someone says, I'm cold, and you go, it's not cold. I'm hot. It's not hot. That food was delicious. It wasn't delicious. Somehow we seem to think we've got this right to just ignore what people are feeling because we don't feel it. So we, we react to what they say and ignore what they feel. When people are rude and unkind, they are quite often screaming out, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. And people who are always in pain are unkind and rude. Hurt people hurt people. We know that. So the the antidote to that is give them a bit of kindness. You know, show them a bit of love. Be considerate of them even though they're inconsiderate of you. Romans 15.2 says we must be considerate of the doubts and the fears of others. See, everyone's got doubts and fears and everyone's got feelings. Let's please the other person, not ourselves, in doing what's good for him and build him up. We react to what people say, ignore what they feel, and that's a big mistake. And I guess the other one is what I've really mentioned before is invalidating their feelings. We're saying, you know, your feelings don't really matter. They're not true. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where um, say jumping off a cliff into the waters at Wongi Falls or something like that and you're the brave person done a hundred times and just like, yeah, cool, you do a backflip, somersault, land in the water. Next person's up there and they're trembling. This is really scary. No, it's not. Your feelings are wrong. You're dumb. What we're doing is invalidating how they feel because we don't feel that way. If someone says to me, I'm really scared of public speaking, okay, no, nah, it's not that bad. I do it all the time. It's different for me. And just because I don't feel that way doesn't mean that you don't feel that way. And so we need to make sure we don't minimise their feelings. Two people can be in the same place and be cold, one of them cold, one of them warm at the same time. It actually doesn't even matter. We all have different feelings. And so there's some great inventions like that that, that can like help us out. Those beds where you've got separate Levels for comfort, you know, things like that. But just because someone's feeling something doesn't mean it's not true. That is really how they feel. 
So we've got to look beyond the words and see why. It can be in, in all our relationships. If, if your wife says, oh, I'm ugly, and I told you guys last week, ladies, I said, if your husband tells you you look good, believe him. When your wife says, I'm ugly, don't believe her, but don't invalidate that feeling. Try and work out why. Why do you feel ugly? What is it? I'm just not getting enough exercise, so I feel really loose and stuff. <laughs> try to work out what it is and try and help them out that's helpful someone says I'm afraid and you go yeah well don't be that's not actually really very helpful we've got to work out why they're afraid you know thanks for the moral support but I'm scared to death you know we need to know what it is don't minimise the way they feel okay people shouldn't have to defend it if you're feeling something, you shouldn't have to defend how you feel because it is how you feel. You might just need to say, yeah, okay, I hear you. I know what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And maybe we can talk through that and change those things. So if you want to write this one down, if I want to be wise, I won't minimise your feelings. I won't compromise my integrity. I won't antagonise your anger and push your hot buttons, and I won't minimise your feelings. So the two things we can do when we um, belittle people, uh, sorry, the reactions that we do when people feel something that we don't, the two reactions are commonly we belittle them. So if you had a brain, you'd know that's not true sort of thing. And the other thing, is, which is probably worse, is we try to pay the psychologist, okay? we got to work exactly why, you know, it's because your father you know, left you when you were three and then this happened and that happened in your life. And you know what? You don't even know what you feel, why you feel the way you feel most of the time and you think you can figure out someone else's motives. I don't think so. You cannot just start to try and work out everybody and work out why they feel, how they feel and solve everything. Proverbs 15.4 says, Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. And you can see that with people, you know, like they don't bring the life. If you want to breathe life into your relationships, be kind. Just be kind to one another. Be nice to one another. Be considerate. When, when someone's thirsty, get them a drink. They say, oh, I feel a bit thirsty. Just get them a drink. Don't even ask if they want one. Just do it. Be considerate and look after other people. And what also we don't want to do is start to do that that game we play where it's like you've met these people. These people drive you crazy. You come with a story that's just amazing. Well, guess what? Their story's better. <laughs> eh? Their story's better. You come home having a hard day at work. Oh, I've got to top that. It's been harder for me. And so what you're doing is not letting them express how they're feeling and you start to minimise it. So you don't want to do that. Don't minimise other people's feelings. Let them feel it without making them feel small. If they're tired, let them be tired. If they're angry, let them be angry. If they're scared and alone, let them be that way, but just be kind and help them out. Number four, wisdom is willing to yield to others. Okay, it's open for reason, to discussion, you know. 
You know how sometimes we just get this idea that what we think is right and that's it, no one else can convince us, what we think, the way we think, that's it. What it actually really means is that you're stubborn, you just will not change. How do you know if you've got this type of quality in your life to allow people to discuss things with you? The first way you know is how you listen. How do you listen to other people? The wiser you are, the better listener you'll be. The more foolish you are, the less you'll listen to other people. You know, you don't need to always finish other people's sentences. That's one of my problems. I want to move the conversation along there just a bit slow, you know, and so I just want to get it out there. But if you're wise, you'll realise it's foolish to cut people off. Let them finish what they've got to say. When you're witnessing, this is a big thing. You want to be able to hear what they're saying, hear their story, understand who they are, not just let them, you know, oh, this is what I believe. Oh, yeah, well, this is, that's wrong. This is what's right. You cut in, you just push in. You're, you're rude and arrogant, really, in what you do. What we want to do is allow people to express what they feel. Don't just cut them off. If you're having an argument and you're the one doing the talking and the other person doesn't get a word in, it's quite possible that you are not listening. <laughs> in fact, it's highly likely. And when you start to listen to people and you can disagree with people without it becoming a big fight, it shows that you are a reasonable person. That's how you'll know. This is how you know if you are able to listen. Can people disagree? Can people you disagree reason with you? Sorry. So if you disagree with a person, can they actually reason with you? Can you talk things through? Do you adopt an attitude where it's like, don't confuse me with the facts? That's not wise. Admit it, it's tough to hear the suggestions of other people and even tougher to hear the suggestions of someone who comes up with one good idea in a billion. Someone who just really drives you nuts. But guess what? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Think about it. So we want to make sure that we don't just disregard people just because we don't like them, just because we don't think what they've got to say is worth saying because sometimes they will say something that you really need to hear. And sometimes it can actually hurt when you put yourself out to listen to other people's suggestions. Um, There's one pastor who actually decided on the first Sunday he was preaching to get some feedback and he wanted it to be honest. So after the message he was talking to people and asking them, you know, what's going on? And he was talking to one bloke and he's going, okay, give me your honest suggestions. He was told... Look, I just want to be reasonable. I'm going to listen to what you say, so just tell me exactly the truth. And he said, okay, it's done. It was really bad. And he said, okay, well, what was bad about it? There's three things, he said. First, you read it. Second, you read it poorly. And third, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. Anyway, luckily there's someone who came up to comfort and encourage him and he said, I don't worry about Jim. He just repeats what everyone else says. (laughs) 
The tough thing about listening to people honestly and hearing their suggestions is you're putting yourself out there and sometimes it can hurt, all right? But if you're going to be wise, I won't criticise your suggestions. So that's the next one. If I want to be wise, I won't criticise your suggestions. A wise person can learn from anybody. Proverbs 18.15 says, Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. If it's stupid, just ignore it, get on with it, just like you do with a million of the ideas that you have. But if I'm open to suggestion, I won't just criticise your suggestions. That's part of listening. It's not just reacting and criticising what you have to say straight away, but thinking it through. Okay, so we don't want to interrupt people in advance, try to take them down point by point. you just got to listen. You've got to be open to reason. Okay, number five, the Bible says wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. If I'm going to be wise, I'm going to maximise the mercy in my life. All right? Who's the wisest person in the universe? Come on, this one's not hard. It's not a trick question. Who is the wisest person in the universe? God, absolutely. Next question, who is the most merciful person in the universe? God, okay? If the most wise person in the universe is also the most merciful person, we've got to also learn to show grace to people when they mess up. So when someone blows it, when they sin or fumble or they make a mistake, we've got to show grace to people and show them mercy. So when I start to judge people in relationships, I'm starting to be foolish. You don't really know their motives. You don't really know what's going on in their heart. And we've got to understand that God always cuts me slack. Does he cut you slack? Are there things in your life where God says, hey, um, it's all right, it's cool, let's get on with it, you made a mistake, pick yourself up, let's get on with life. He does it for us all the time and everything we have is a gift from God. Our next breath is a gift from God. Everything we have is from him. And God doesn't give me what I deserve at all. He gives me what I need. That's mercy and that's wisdom. So the fifth mark of wisdom, if you want to write that down, you can. If I, won't, if I want to be wise, I won't emphasise your mistakes. I won't continually rub it in. I'll rub it out. So what about you? How high do you rate in that area? in your relationships? How much mercy do you show to other people? Do you jump on every fault, every blunder that they make? Are you always calling them an idiot or clumsy or stupid? Do you continually bring up the past? It's like the high school kid. He got a really bad report card and his dad was just so angry at him. He went back to school the next day And his friend asked him, what did your dad say? He said, my dad got all historical. And he said, don't you mean hysterical? No, historical. He told me everything I'd ever done wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do that in your relationships? Do you let it pile up and, and do you hold things in the bank for that perfect time and I can just bring it out? And when they hit you in the wrong spot, bang, that's the time. You remember, you said this, you did that, don't you remember this? 
Proverbs 17.9 says, Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. If you want to ruin your relationships, you keep bringing up the mistakes. You keep telling them why they've been a bad husband or a bad wife and you keep bringing it up. You keep telling your kids you're stupid, useless, hopeless, you never do this, you never do that. Don't you remember this happened, that happened with your friends as well. Don't build them up in your life. Think about the things they're out of love about them and let those things go. And one of the biggest things that we can do in marriages, and this comes from a couple that have been married for 50 years, they're asked independently by someone, what is it? How did it last so long? What's the secret for this? How did you get to 50 years? Without talking to each other, they, they, they were not at the same place at the same time. Each of them responded with the same answer. I never tried to change them. I never tried to change them. I didn't make it my job to be their police and make them who I want them to be, but I let them be who they wanted to be. So wisdom is full of mercy. Number six, the Bible says that wisdom is impartial and always sincere. There's another word that we know of called Hypocrite. So you might have heard this story before, but back in the Greek days when they'd play, there'd be someone who was an actor, and they'd have to play a lot of different parts. So what they'd do is they'd play their part, go behind the stage, grab another mask, put it on their face, come out and play the next part. And that Greek word was hypokritos, which is obviously where we get hypocrite from. It means he wears a mask, always acting a different role. And those words are so opposite to the words that we are asked to be in relationship. Impartial and sincere, genuine and without hypocrisy. So you're real and you're authentic. So the sixth key, if you're writing it down, if I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't disguise my intentions. I'm not going to be a fake. I won't try and manipulate. I won't try and make you see something that isn't real or authentic. Where's the two biggest places that we see this, you reckon? Where people are phony. You'd have to say dating's one of them, right? And online, that's a shocker. People just represent themselves as something else. Proverbs 10.18 says, The lips of the liar conceal hostility, and whoever spreads accusations is a fool. Psalm 12.2 says, Everyone lies to his neighbour. Their flattering lips speak with deception. God is asking us to be real. And if you think about dating, how phony is that? A nightclub, you, you could be in there and, you know, someone comes up to you and a stranger you've never met, hey, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> and I see people come up to you in Woolies, hey, can I buy you a toaster? <laughs> you know, it's so fake. It's just not real. And we've got to understand that, that, that dating is one of those places where you can be your best, you smell good, you look good, but guess what? Nobody's like that all the time. And of course we want to present the best us. But you want to present the best you, not this fake person, not someone who you're not. And you know what it's like. You know, you're on a date and 
or with someone and they say something funny. It's not even funny, but it's, ah, that's so funny, you're so funny. Oh, they snort when they laugh. Oh, that's so cute. Guess what? Five years down the road, it's not cute no more. <laughs> it's just annoying. But be real, be honest. <laughs> and of course, the internet, we've already talked about that. <laughs> How am I going to get the wisdom for my relationships? There's only one place. Let's just do a bit of a review. Number one, do you ever compromise on your integrity? Not wise. Do you antagonise other people's anger and push their buttons intentionally just to get even? That's dumb, not wise. Do you minimise feelings? You shouldn't feel that way. Do you criticise suggestions? Do you emphasise mistakes and rub it in rather than out? Do you disguise your intentions? There's only really two places that you can get wisdom and it's not from your college professor. It's not from the panel on TV. You get wisdom from knowing God, number one, knowing God and then doing what he says to do in his word. You get a whole lot of other stuff, intelligence, information, facts, from all these other things. But the Bible is so filled with relational wisdom for you. And I just want to encourage you that, that you just look to that Bible. It's filled with stuff that is just amazing, stuff you won't even get from the world. And the importance is, as I've said, I just want to emphasise this again, that we need to do what the Word says. As I'm speaking to you this morning, there's a whole lot of things that you might think, yeah, that's true, yeah, that's true. And then you go right out, go to the car and have a big barney with someone or go to the shop and, and do something stupid, not wise, in relationship-wise things. If you do not do the Word of God, as I said, it is a waste of time. It's an absolute waste of time. So just want to emphasise that again and we think we've got one more point, don't we, before I, before I finish. But we need to eat the spiritual food we need. There's, there's a boxer in the Philippines called Manny, Manny Pacquiao or something, very famous. But he became a Christian and he compared it to his training, like with boxing. He said, you know, I'll get in there and I train four times a day to box because I'm getting in the ring to have a fight. And so once he became a Christian, he said, you know what I do now, four times a day, I do a Bible study. Because I understand that if I want to live out this Christian life, if I want to be strong in my faith, I need to have some spiritual food. I need to have some spiritual training. And he took a natural thing and put it over to the spiritual. But that's how it is with us. We need to make sure that we understand that that it's only by going after God's wisdom that we will get it. Colossians 2 says that Jesus is the key that opens all the hidden treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge. And that is so important. You've got to get to know him. We've got to get to know Jesus. We really need to know him. Did I miss one? I'm feeling like I've missed a point. No? Cool. I'm better than I thought I was. No. <laughs> and so this morning, Isaac, as he gave communion, was talking about if you don't know God, there's something that you need. There's that, that life that you need. 
And I can talk to you up here right now and I can tell you all the wisdom of God. But if you do not know Jesus Christ, you are going to be lacking in spiritual wisdom because there's something that you need to unlock the keys of the wisdom of God and that's a relationship with Jesus. If you do not have it, a lot of what I said will be good information, good ideas, good ways to do things. But it's when the Spirit of God gets in your heart and you meditate on what he says that it actually unlocks the secrets of God to you because his Holy Spirit joins with our spirit and shows us the secret things of God. We can't understand God naturally. It's impossible. And the only way we can really understand him is if we get saved, if we get born again, if we say to Jesus, come into my life. Because when you do, the Holy Spirit will come in and start to open up the things of God to you. And the things that I've talked about today will start to make a whole lot more sense because they're not just actions. They're responses of love to the one who made you. Where you're walking out of the demonic into the godly. That's exactly what it said, isn't it, in that passage that we talked about. Earthly wisdom, not of God. Godly wisdom open up to you by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's just close our eyes and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Help us to be wise and not foolish, to take what we've said this morning and actually put it into practice, Father. Help us not to compromise our integrity, to antagonize people, to minimize people's feelings. Help us not to criticize suggestions or emphasize mistakes, Father God. And above all, I just pray that you help us not to disguise who we really are. Help us to be authentic and genuine relationships, Lord, to speak the truth. If that's you today, just say amen to what God has for you to receive his wisdom, to do his word.